Hey, how's it going? It was a weird tone of voice. Hey, 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 Raven, hey, or as my dad would say, that's what <coughs> horses eat. I've got to turn the Christmas lights on. Just give me a second. All of the all of the innovation that went into LEDs for Christmas lights, and we still haven't figured out that you can put a power button on the end of one of these things, a switch or something, rather than just unplugging them when you don't want them running. Do you remember Christmas lights? They used to be such a giant pain in the in the posterior region. They were just oh. You basically had two options. You had the really cheap ones, which used those tiny light bulbs, and they're all strung out in series so that if one of them blew, you would lose um, electrical connectivity to the whole rest of the chain, and so it would just completely um, uh, render the whole thing useless. So I do remember as a kid sitting there one afternoon, uh, I, God, I would have been in very early primary school at the time. So this would have been in what, like the mid nineties, I guess. And just sitting there with my mum uh, of an afternoon watching, you know what? I think we're actually watching the Carols by Candlelight in Australia. So on the, in, when you, we lived in Singapore, there was a, um, uh, uh, you call it like a channel or something. Wow. I'm getting so out of touch with, with TV. I haven't watched commercial or free to air stuff in so long. Haven't had cable TV in years either, and we so we had this channel on our cable set top box called the Australia Network, which pretty much just ran ABC stuff, Australian Broadcasting Corporation stuff. So I guess Australia is equivalent to the BBC, pretty much. So it's like this government-funded, you know, taxpayer-funded broadcaster, and they would be streaming the. Um, uh, the the carols and so we were sort of sitting there in an evening and she was on one end of this chain and I was on the other end of this chain and we're just desperately trying to go through this not desperately actually we were pretty chill about it but going through these bulbs one by one trying to figure out where the blown one was and we did find it eventually and it was uh, in fact I think if my memory serves I had missed it and so she had ended up having to go back. I think we went through the entire chain and couldn't find it. So we started on opposite ends. And I think it was something like she found it on my end. And it was something silly like the fourth one. So out of these hundreds of lights, we'd gone over all of them twice. And she found it. It was the fourth one. Oh. So those were the, the um, those kind of lights. So then in response to that, some, I, I guess, people with fairly... Element, elemental, elementary, but uh, good um, electronics experience. So I'm just unpacking my bag while I do this. This, I guess I, I'm trying to emphasize the fact that this wouldn't have been much of an innovation to figure this out, but I guess for enough people, it had enough overhead that they um, didn't bother doing it. But some person figured out that if you run things in parallel instead of series, if one of them goes out the rest of the bulbs are fine, right? Because the, the power isn't going through that bulb to get to everything else. So the th it sounds great in theory. You know, it negates a lot of the problems of light bulbs. And if you have one busted bulb, who cares? The problem was the way that it was implemented, it meant that you had a whole separate wire. So, I mean, 
necessarily so, like you can't do it any other way, to do it in parallel. So you had these cables and the way they would run the cable such that there was one cable going to each bulb and then there was a second cable that would weave in between them, connecting every second one and it did all this sort of tricky stuff, which meant that putting it on the tree was fine, but taking it off the tree at the end was a huge pain in the ass because that second thick cable would always get tangled up uh, around parts of the tree that the other part wasn't on and oh it was just a it was a mess i remember one time we were taking these new improved fancy bulbs off a tree one year i would have been in high school by this point and uh, you know my mum sort of looking at this tree saying wasn't this supposed to make our life easier <laughs> it really wasn't <sighs> yeah we're really spoiled now with these new um led style ones so First of all, they don't get hot, so they're not a fire hazard, which is nice. But yeah, you can have all these different colors and things. It's nice, it's very, very pretty. And the way they've done the cabling on it is they're all sort of weaved together, and then there's a sheath over heavens. There's a sheath. <laughs> what? There's a sheath over all of them. Uh, so taking them on and off the tree is just super simple. So that's fantastic. But they still haven't figured out that somewhere near the base of the tree where the lights stop and the cable keeps going, can we just have a switch? Would that be so much to ask? Like literally every evening before we go to bed, I have to go over to the um, the power board behind here and yank this thing out. It's very, uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a frustrating, uh, very difficult experience that, you know, in the grand scheme of things is something that um, causes a lot of consternation and problems. And it's a... Um, it's not so much a first world problem as much as a, an inconvenience, but I will continue to whinge about it till someone <laughs> does that. <sighs> and I'm sure there's someone here listening who, who will then sort of respond and say, well, Ruben, you know, it is just a simple cable. You could just desolder a section of it or, you know, cut it up in half and solder a power switch on it. And I was like, yeah, I could do that. Or someone could just figure out that everyone in the known universe always wants to turn these off at some point. Why not have a switch? To do it. It just seems like such an obvious thing to... We, hmm. People have light bulbs. What do people need for light? Can you imagine if you had a, a, a like a lamp, like a, a freestanding lamp, and it didn't have a power switch? It just went straight into the power point. Oh yeah, the lamp's on 24-7, that's fine. The only thing I can think of is that are people just running these lights all the time? I mean, I suppose, for given the fact LEDs use almost no power and that they're not a fire hazard, I suppose you could conceivably see that they, uh, you could just have these running 24-7 and it really wouldn't matter. I don't know. I'm still old school enough to think that if I'm not using something, I want to turn it off. I know that's it's a bit weird to sort of think about, but um, no, it's just more power that I don't need to use. There was that great uh, report that I, I think it was uh, on Singaporean TV years ago, Years ago, Testy Pop, uh, where they were talking about standby power and just how much juice that these things take up um, when you're not using them. So even just to keep the the um, LEDs going and basically to keep it in a, a low power mode so that if you press the power button on your remote control, your TV turns on and things like that. Um, one of the things my dad used to do, which I thought was brilliant, is he had a power board with a switch, a sort of a remote control thing at the, on the end of it, so that when we left the house, all of the hi-fi stuff got turned off. And turned off as in 
turned off off so there was no standby power going to any of it and yeah it was a token gesture and chances are this fancy power board he bought probably cost more than any power savings we earned you know in terms of financial resources but it's just if you're not using power it's it's just there's so much of these things that just leech off stuff for example i'm looking right here at our uh, brother laser printer and i realized that we haven't used this in weeks so why is it turned on so I'm going to go over to this power board over here, and oh, I think that's the, oh no, that was the microwave, and now I've reset the, <laughs> the reset the clock on it. <sighs> Do you remember that? That was another one of those 90s memes that, oh, you know, the parents of today, they think they're so smart, and you need your kids to program the VCR for you, ha 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 ha. And these days you'd talk to a kid and they'd say, what, what the flipping hell is a VCR? <laughs> Uh, insert obligatory comment that uh, people think the save icon is a, is a um, sculpture, not a disc. I'll tell you what, though, if you uh, want to hear a disc, hold on, I've got a, one of these things. Hold on, uh, wait, wait for it. Ah, oh, does that take you back? That's the slidey motion of a three and a half inch. Ah, oh, I almost dropped it. Three and a half inch floppy disk. Or. Some of you might recognize this sound as well. Hold on, let me uh, pop this out of its protective case. Um, I probably shouldn't be doing this, but uh, does this take you back? Anyone know what that is? Huh? Huh? That's a, it's an iOmega uh, Ditto tape, <laughs> backup uh, tape, like a Trevan tape. For those of you who liked you know, fidgeting with things. I was going to make this one brief, today. I just wanted to check in and say hello to all of you lovely people. I've been getting a lot of comments and stuff on my blog after I posted um, about all the sort of post-operation stuff. Yeah, it was... It, it, oh, I, hmm. <laughs> it's like, how do you... It was easily, without a doubt, the most excruciating follow-up thing I've ever had. Just the, just the con continuously having to re-bandage this gaping wound in my sensitive region, <laughs> putting Dettol on it and everything every day. Oh, it's an experience I never want to repeat. But the good news is, um, you know, it's come through the other side. I'm feeling a lot better. Um, I'm not on the super strong painkillers anymore, which means I have my brain back, which is really nice. I noticed that I remember even growing up, it, again, talking about 90s nostalgic memes and things, although I'm sure it goes back a lot further than that. Do you remember the idea of people being couch potatoes? Is that still something that people talk about? I don't really think so. There was this sort of image. I think it came out of the US, but I'm sure places like Australia and the UK, etc., had this problem as well, where you just had people who spent most of their living lives just sitting on a couch watching TV. That was just what they did. And I get the feeling that over time it would be a habit that would just continue to grow and you would just absorb all of this information. And, you know, it's, I, I think there was a bit of pearl clutching and a bit of, um, won't somebody think of the children aspect to it. But I also, you know, you've got to think it's not super great from a health perspective to just be permanently glued to a TV like that from a, a physical standpoint as well as a, um, a mental one. Although you wouldn't really be standing if it was on a chair. You <laughs> see, that was a... <clears throat> so, yeah, this this idea of a, 
a couch potato. These days, I think it's not so much of an issue just because there's everyone has so many different things we can be doing now. There's uh, so many different types of media and internet stuff and, and um, just so many different avenues of, of things. Like, I mean, YouTube, for example, you could go read things, you can watch things, you can do things. And then I think the second part to it, which has been really transformative and interesting, is that everyone's attention spans have gone way in the other direction to, to super, super short. So I, I almost felt like I was uh, Subaru-chan from Hololife, Shuba Shuba. That's a reference I'm sure probably two out of all or all of you go, <laughs> probably got, <laughs> or maybe three of you, if I'm lucky. Um, <laughs> Shuba Shuba. Uh, I'll stop. It's amazing that everyone can't just watch TV. We always have to be doing something else as well. So you're on your phone at the same time or on your tablet or you like uh, Clara and I sometimes do in the evenings. We might have a a, a holo live stream or a, a, um, a documentary or something going on the TV and we're at the computer playing Minecraft. It's just everyone has you have to do multiple things. And I'm sure that there's a psychologist now who probably lamented the state of couch potatoes in the 80s, now saying that we're all too distracted and have too many things going on and we need mindfulness. <laughs> it's interesting how the human condition kind of goes in these sort of cycles. But yeah, having being in that situation where you're just so... I was about to say coked out of your mind, but it's, that's the exact opposite of what it is. When you're on those kind of really strong... Uh, opioid-like painkillers and and various other things, and I just I would just be sitting there for days at a time, and just in a lot of pain. But I would say, like being truthful about it, the thing that was worse than the pain was the boredom, just absolute abject boredom. When you're sitting there. And your brain isn't working well enough for you to have any kind of really cohesive thoughts. And you think, I want to do something, but I don't know. And then you would just trail off. And it wasn't even that you were too tired to... I say you, the royal you, yes. It wasn't that I was too tired to do anything or um, you know, not physically capable of it. Although it would have been difficult to get out of the chair. It's just, I would just sit there and... It just, it, it's hard to describe. I just had no, it wasn't even motivation. It was just, I felt incapable of doing anything other than staring at a wall. And it, I don't know, it was, it led me to some dark places. And when you have to sit there, it was almost like meditation without the introspection <laughs> kind of thing. You're doing the same thing as meditation, but you're not getting any of the benefit out of it. Just completely unaware of your surroundings. It's, it's almost like meditation, but you become more opaque rather than easier to understand the world around you. I just had no bearing on where I was or what time of day it was or who I was or what I was supposed to be doing or any of my hobbies. And so to think just how many people around the world where that kind of, I won't say vegetative state, that's, a, that's overstating it by a long shot, but how many people whose lives are just sitting there looking at a screen, absorbing it, not doing anything. I just, oh, I, I wouldn't want that on, upon my worst enemy, let alone um, uh, myself. I just, oh, heavens. So I'm, I'm not especially in a hurry to, to do that. But the good news is, you know, uh, 
recovering very, very well. And um, Claire has been really good helping me out with stuff. I don't know how I would have managed or coped without her constantly giving me food and drink and being able to, um, uh, you know, cater to my every whim and helping me out in the bathroom and stuff. Like, you need a special person to be able to help you through all of that. So, yeah, it is kind of funny that now I'm finally ready to, to go back to work again, and it's half a week until Christmas, or the break to Christmas, which is kind of funny. Although I guess, yeah, being on that bit of a break will be good for um, for a bit of a um, uh, sort of mental space before encountering the rest of the year. So, yeah, if, you're, if you've made it this far in this awful episode of an otherwise unremarkable uh, podcast program or new time radio show, audio magazine, or whatever the hell in which you want to call this damn thing, I uh, appreciate you sharing it with me. I hope you have a fantastic, relaxing, peaceful, I hope it's peaceful, um, break over Christmas. This Omicron variant thing is a little bit scary, to, to, to put it mildly. It's, it's just tearing through Australia at the moment as well. Um, the good news is it seems to be a lot less potent than the um, the previous strains, although it spreads a lot faster. So it means that there will be more people having misery, but hopefully the misery will be shorter lasting, especially if you've been vaccinated or stuff. I know I'm trying to see the, not the positive in it, but <laughs> try to sort of, I don't know, like, I'm sure you have these same sort of feelings, but after two years of this sort of stuff, you start to wonder, are we ever going to get out of this thing? And of course, the answer is yes. I mean, we're, despite all of the doomsday prophecies and the cynics and, the, uh, and these kind of people, we've, we've managed to get through a lot of stuff as a species. I'm sure we're capable of it this time around. We just need to grit our teeth and get through it. And hopefully with a bit of uh, compassion and love for people, in the rest of the world who are less fortunate than us too. I think we're kind of really missing an opportunity here to um, help our fellow human beings, regardless of where they are and their circumstances. And even just from a selfish perspective, we, we would ideally want everyone around the world to get better and to have the vaccines and to be able to live with uh, you know, dignity and health because it means that there's less of a breeding ground for variants to spread, right? <laughs> Even if you're a selfish prick, you, can, you should be able to see the, the benefit in doing that. But I'm rambling again. So anyway, thank you all for, um, for sticking around. Hopefully I'll actually get back to doing this on a semi-regular basis again early next year when I'm caught up with stuff. Maybe I might slow down my speech so I'm co- you can comprehend what I'm saying um, and reintroduce all the music and silly things. And get, get to some feedback as well. I just, I apologize. There is just so much stuff that people have sent me over probably the last three months or so that I just have not got around to. So if, you've, I'm, if you have sent me some feedback and stuff from the last half a dozen shows, trust me when I say I've listened to it and it made me smile and thank you very much. Um, I just, yeah, eventually I'll get to either replying or to um, posting things. Can you imagine if this show was actually popular and I, I actually got a semi-regular sort of volume of comments and things from people. I I get maybe a comment or two from each of these episodes, which I really appreciate. And even then I think, oh dear, I haven't replied to that guy in a while. I feel really bad. Imagine if it was actually popular. <sighs> maybe a few hundred of you uh, is, is good. And, and maybe we can, um, maybe I need to start a membership program so that if the RSS feed detects that it's being 
hit more than say a thousand times, it locks people out, <laughs> and they, uh, that that wouldn't work, would it? Oh, hey, how's it going? I'm uh, I'm sitting out here on our balcony. It's the the New Year's now. Feels a bit weird. It's also very noisy out here, so I apologise. I recorded a segment for the Overnightscape Central, which is a one of these shows on the the underground that podcast network that I contribute to. But I thought that it had not saved properly, so when I recorded it, it didn't appear in the list of files. But then, just doing a backup on my phone just then, I saw that it's right there. So. Unfortunately, the episode of the Central that it was supposed to be sent in for has long since been produced, recorded, uploaded, and is now live, so I can't add to that. So what I thought I'd do instead is just tack it on the end of this one. It seems a waste. I talked about making coffee and stuff. I thought it was actually, ironically, one of the somewhat better ones that I've ever done for that show. So I'm going to transport you now a couple of weeks ago to when I was making a coffee. It's, it's riveting stuff. <laughs> okay, I thought it was pretty good. Anyway, enjoy. Hey, PQ, how's it going? Uh, you've caught me at a tremendously exciting uh, moment. I'm making a, okay. <laughs> oh, I'm making a coffee, which is actually relevant today. But hold on, let me just have a... Uh, oh. Uh, <clears throat> oh, that water had beverage in it. <clears throat> um, <coughs> it's <coughs> should we start again <coughs> hey pq how's it going the way that most it people get in the uh, christmas spirit or in the christmas mode you could say is to be given a ton more work um, unfortunately i guess but as with so many industries and things it is one of those things where the number of people using your system by and large is a lot lower when it's the the holiday period and people aren't doing as much work etc there are huge exceptions to that rule so for example the uh, freebsd maintainers and people who work overtime making sure netflix is running and uh, network operators and things like that obviously they've got their work cut out for them over the holiday period because there's going to be a lot of very bored people sitting at home doing nothing. Although, I guess that's to be the case with sort of lockdowns and COVID in general, right? There's a lot of a similar thing. I'm very fortunate in my role at the moment where I guess I kind of do less of the nitty-gritty day-to-day stuff and do more of the, more of the sort of the high-level architectural stuff. So... Yeah, this is going to be the first Christmas in a while where I'm not going to be doing as much of that off-season, off-peak maintenance stuff, which is going to be fantastic. <laughs> I'm really looking forward to that and not being a sort of the, on, the, on the phones during that time. But actually, that's not what I wanted to talk about today. This is going to be another quick one from me. But one of the ways that I used to get into the Christmas mode in uh, Singapore growing up was to go to American coffee chains. And it, Coffee Bean and Tea Leaf I, was always my favorite one. I think they're from L.A., actually. But, and in fact, they predated Starbucks in Asia by several years. So when we first moved to Singapore in the mid-90s, um, the Coffee Bean and Tea Leaf had just opened. And there was Dome as well, which was an Australian chain that was from Perth, I think. And, yeah, people just flocked to them. People in Singapore love, love, love 
these coffee chains. And I think a big part of the reason why is, I guess, because the country is so dense and because you typically will have, because of the Chinese culture, etc., you'll typically have um, an extended family or a larger family living in your very small, what they would call an HDB or like a, a um, apartment complex. And you don't want to hang out there. You don't want to hang out at school or work for obvious reasons. So Starbucks and Coffee Bean and these places ended up being, <clears throat> I think Howard Schultz, the CEO of Starbucks, coined the phrase third place, which, you know, say what you will about Starbucks. But uh, I always thought that was quite profound, that it's, it's a place that you can go to that's not those two other places. In the West, we would quite often go to, you know, in the UK or Australia, you'd probably go to a pub back in the day or a bar or somewhat, something like that. But increasingly sort of millennials and, and Gen X and the Zoomers and all the, the sort of the younger people are sort of going to these other places instead. And especially in Southeast Asia, wow, that, they are just ridiculous. There's, there's one Starbucks I used to go to um, in, I think it was in Lian Court in Singapore on Orchard Road. And the seating area was just ridiculous it was almost the size of a supermarket like it was just it was massive and but somehow they still managed to make it seem comfortable and quiet and have nice chairs and things and one of the things my dad always used to say is that he um uh, he used to go to coffee bean or starbucks to rent out a comfy chair and some space and by the way you get a free coffee as well it's interesting how they've kind of pivoted from that um that model of of nominally selling a beverage to it being kind of like a lounge that they happen to sell coffee at which is i know i, I kind of always thought was interesting and i guess because they are like a they're, they're sort of a western business they're very very big on the sort of the the uh, the holiday spirit as, as you would say so the number of times I'd go to Coffee Bean or um, Starbucks or San Francisco Coffee, there were a few of these, and they would have all of the Christmas decorations all decked out. They might have something for Hanukkah as well, um, just all over the place. And you would hear that those sort of the, the carols and and the uh, decorations and things. I don't. I think it's increasingly these days. I think there's a a bit of an attitude towards thinking that such things are kish or cringeworthy people sort of want to roll their eyes and say ew christmas stuff gross and all that um i even see it among sort of not uh, people who aren't that religious don't like it as well i'm not that religious either and i think the celebration is is wonderful it's just it's such a colorful um fun experience and maybe it's because i'm in my 30s maybe as i get older i will become more jaded with it over time i sure as hell hope not i've always found it kind of fun. Anyway, that was an extremely long digression and to, to the meat of the matter, which I'm sure will take a lot less time than that introduction. One of the things I especially loved about these coffee shops getting in the Christmas mode is they would also have these blends of coffee so you can get Christmas coffee blends. And I happen to have a bag of it right here, which I've got, which I'm going <laughs> to... Uh, don't get me wrong. Notice how in the whole thing uh, when I was talking about coffee bean and Starbucks, at no point did I say their coffee was good. I want to make that perfectly clear. It's really not. <laughs> it's, I mean, if if it's your only choice, I suppose so. But uh, it's 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 questionable. This 
bag of Christmas coffee that I've got is almost certainly not going to be any good either. But it will taste very nostalgic. Like I used to get this all the time. Uh, especially with my mum and stuff. It was fun. Like friends and things during... It's just... It was the, the atmosphere and the fact that it was school holidays around that time. So you weren't expected to do homework or study or anything like that. So it was this occasion of of freedom and fun. And it's... Uh, yeah, it's it's that whole aspect of it that I really miss um, an awful lot. So I've got this Christmas coffee here. I'm going to pour this into my um, coffee grinder. Uh, I really, you know, you have nerds, uh, coffee nerds and stuff who really take this seriously and they try and measure it out in perfect quantities. I just measure it to the point where there's a kind of a bit of a line on the, on the plastic here. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, that's fine. <laughs> so I put the lid on. In fact, if we're multitasking, I should get the kettle going as well. Uh, I use an AeroPress. For my coffee that's if you've never seen it before it's a it's another brilliant american invention um it's it basically is like an inverted french press it's just a little plastic cylinder that you put coffee beans in the top and your hot water and then you push your plunger down and uh, the coffee goes through a bit of filter paper ah and it's um yeah it it makes exceptionally good coffee and it's very cheap and well, relative to buying an espresso machine or something, and it takes up almost no space. So if you're living in, in a tiny apartment like um, Claire and I do, it's it's really really good. I have I've just been using this thing. I've I've must have made at least a, a thousand cups out of this thing over the course of five years or so. And yeah, it's uh, it's really paid itself off. So you have this cylinder thing, and I'm going to screw the cap on the on the. At the top there, so that's got the paper in it. The um, the, the kettle's coming along. That's good. Okay, this is the noisy bit. I'm going to grind some coffee. If you'll uh, bear with me for a second. Right, let's see. I think that ought to do it. <laughs> Again, I'm I'm not very scientific at this stuff. There are people who really take this seriously, who who in fact know what they're doing. Um, I just pretend to know on TV or on uh, new time radio shows like this one. Uh, so what have we got? We've got oh, okay. We've got a, a bunch of coffee mugs here. I was tempted to use the NCC-1701D Star Trek Next Generation one, but I think I'm going to go with... There's a really nice um, restaurant in Melbourne called... in in um, Australia called the Pancake Parlour. And it's a picture of this uh, woman with very long wavy hair and a fork, and she's saying, lovely. <laughs> so, so that sounded more English than Aussie. Lovely would be... We'll use that. Um, so now, now we need to, this is probably the most time consuming bit. I have to, oh, I'm going to use, this is my Golden Gate Bridge San Francisco coffee spoon. <laughs> oh, this is good. So the most time consuming part is this coffee grinder. Uh, somehow it always manages to get some of the grounds in underneath the, um, the little spinny thing. You can tell I'm a scientist, uh, <laughs> or an engineer. 
So I try and sort of mix it up a bit inside first to loosen it up and then I can put it in. Now I've got a little funnel in the top here. So, cause the, the, um, the actual width of the AeroPress is quite narrow. And so if you try and just pour this coffee like I just did on the floor just then, a little bit into it, you'll end up with coffee all over the place. So it's important to use a, a little funnel. And then I just kind of tap it down a bit into there. So then the coffee's all inside this AeroPress. This is when I'm working from home, this has been my routine every day for probably the last two years. Just sort of um, buying nice beans or festive ones in this case, and then making it in this AeroPress. Okay, and we have our boiled water here, so we'll bring it over here, and I'm going to pour. You don't have to pour it as slowly as a as a um, a filter thingy, but I tend to anyway, just in case. Mm, already, it smells. Uh, it has that sort of festive yet very very burnt coffee smell. <laughs> I mean, is it that Starbucks? Oh. Well, give that a bit of a mix inside. Um, I have a bit of an ulterior motive contributing this week as well, just because um, uh, if I don't know if, if any of you um, use that abomination of a website called Twitter, uh, but I, I put it on there recently. Um, and on my blog, I was actually in surgery a couple of weeks ago um, for something that originally the doctors had suspected was cancer. Uh, turned out it wasn't, so that, that was really good news. Um, so that yeah, it, it had a, a, a few complications and things. Um, let's just say down south. We'll, we'll leave it at that. Oh, it was so painful, and even now I'm sort of having to be all dressed up with wound stuff, etc., which is really, really quite painful. I have to change every day, etc. But um, no, I could have. It could have been a lot worse, and the fact that it was something benign was. Um, Extremely relieving. You want to get in the Christmas mode. How about getting a clean bill of health and some surgery that went well? Uh, that, that'll oh, put a smile on anyone's face in between the sort of the teeth gritting when you're having to put antiseptic on it and you want to scream so loudly that the neighbors upstairs can hear you. Anyway, so yeah, that, that, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm good now. So I'm just I'm very happy and relieved. Um, so we have the AeroPress in here. We've got the plunger on top now. So this is the final bit. This is the moment we've all been waiting for. I'm going to now depress the plunger into this AeroPress tube and we are going to hopefully get some Christmas coffee out the other side. So push that. It does take a little bit of work. I wonder how much arm strength I've got from pushing it down on this thing for, here we go. For, oh, it's a bit of air coming out. Probably didn't seal it that well, but that's fine. Mm. Okay, oh, look at that. So, you can't see this now, but this is a cup of, surprise, surprise, of, of, uh, of coffee here. It's black. It's got the um, Starbucks Christmas blend in it. I wonder if it, it's probably still a bit too hot to drink now, but I can smell it, and it's, hmm, oh, it's like my, it's my teenage years all over again. Oh, I'll, I'll give it a try. Ooh. Oh, you know when something's so hot that it immediately fogs up your glasses? Mm. Um, mm. 
Oh, see, see, that's what I'm talking about. I think the reason why so much Starbucks coffee is is so burnt tasting is because it's designed to be drunk with a. Um, uh, <clears throat> it's des- <clears throat> it's designed to be drunk with milk or cream or something because it's and and then that kind of masks the uh, the taste. Drinking it black, I guess, exposes it for what it is. And so it ends up um, not being quite as um, uh, palatable. But that's not what I'm after. I'm not after being palatable. I'm after something that's a bit nostalgic. So this um, delivers in spades. Anyway, I hope uh, you're all in the Christmas mode as well. Or if that's not a celebration you engage in, then you're taking advantage of some, hopefully, a bit of downtime yourself. And uh, back to you, PQ.